From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 765, source control for IT pros with guest Nicole Stevens, recorded Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Nicole Stevens, who is the technical director of an independent software vendor in the United Kingdom. And Nicole has over 20 years experience in software development, starting out as an Oracle DBA, troubleshooting performance, design, and integration issues for large enterprises across EMEA, and then switched to an ISV startup, bringing in fresh challenges with a role spanning software development, technical consultancy, and solution architecture. And her current focus is architecting cloud-native solutions while assisting in the refactoring of legacy software solutions for customers in Azure. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, from Oracle DBA to, I guess, really kind of a DevOps consultant too, right? Like how we manage things. Yeah, getting towards it, I spent pretty much the first 10, 12 years of my career completely immersed in Oracle. I did nothing about Oracle. Yeah. And then one of those things where the company I worked for was quite a small company here in the UK, mm-hmm. and we were bought out by um, Info. That happens, yeah. Yeah, they came in and um, loads of great opportunities, but obviously a bit of restructuring happened. I had the opportunity to move with a, with a good uh, recompense, so I took that. Yeah. And some people I used to work with heard I was leaving, said... Um, We've got a startup opportunity, but it's nothing that you've ever done before. Uh, completely Windows-based, all SQL Server. Um, <laughs> do you want to have a go? And I was like, okay, well, you know, let me have a look at the software. Let me look at the setup and, and get an idea. It's an incredible compliment for, for people want you to come to the company and then specifically say, by the way, nothing you've ever done before, but you're awesome enough that we want you to be with us. It, it was a compliment, but then... Now, even talking about it and, and looking back on it a few days later, I did think at the time, what was I doing? But <laughs> it was such a great, such a great opportunity. And it's almost like a career fact, reboot, right? You just It keep, was. Yeah. It was a career reboot. And, and I was desperate for the challenge as well at the time. I think I had been coasting. And that's something that, that's been talked about a lot. Um, recently. Yeah, I have 10 years experience as a DBA and it's like, do you really have one year experience you've repeated 10 times? Like, because you just are doing the same things over and over again. Like, are you actually getting better? I was towards the end. I was doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. Um, and although there were portions of my role that I really enjoyed, I've always loved troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. Love it. I always love troubleshooting, which is interesting as I think we'll get into a part of this later where People aren't wanting that now. They want things more stable and, and you've got to look at other ways of yeah. kind of, you know, that's really, really important, that, that side of things. That's almost a mental health part about you need a certain amount of stability in your life. And so when you when we're dealing in a world that is rather unstable right now, I think we're locking down stability in other places. Yeah. You know, because you, you, it has to be there. It has to be somewhere. Uh, absolutely. And although I thrived off that and the challenge of that at the time. Mm-hmm. The new challenge of that is 
it's getting to a space where I've got a team and a, the team are using a tool set where we're automating and where we're getting a new kind of motivation to bring in stability and to make it easier to deploy new software and changes and bits and pieces like that. That whole repeatability part. Yeah. 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 So in a way that's completely turned what I used to love in my role on its head. That totally makes sense because when you build in that automated repeatability, it is a form of stability. It's like, you know, this is going to be the same thing each time. You're not, did I do it wrong? No, mm -hmm. there's only one button to push. If it broke, the process is broken, not the button. The button is fine. Now is get it, work through the automation, figure out what's changed. That's it. Yeah. So you, oh, sorry. We have to start that bit again. Do it. Yeah. That's entirely it. So, you know, I used to turn up. Every site was different. Obviously, that's different now. We're in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking at many different production systems. I'm looking at maybe one production system. And it's a completely different way of looking things. And this this requires a different mindset and, and, and new tooling. And that has happened later on since I've been in the ISV. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a totally different way of thinking and a totally different day at work. So... It's been uh, it's been really interesting in that way in the last few years. I have seen folks, uh, IT folks, have been evolving uh, and dealing with repeatability and and the increasing complexity of scripts and things that you know you used to just mm -hmm. carry them around. I mean, I'm old enough to say you used to carry around a three and a half inch floppy or maybe a zip disk. Uh, no, it's mostly in the USB key, but even that's unacceptable today. They're in a, the, you want them in standard place, but the idea that someone else would run one of your scripts used to be bizarre. Like that was something you would never do. Your scripts are yours. You're the only one who runs them. But modern organizations just not like that. Like the script's now part of a workflow that anybody can run. And you, I think you really approach writing them differently. I, I think you do. And, and. When you when you take that mindset into a team that haven't been doing that, and you're you're trying to show them the benefits of having the collaboration in that way, and the one thing we always say, it's at least two eyes on the code. Right. You know, you 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 put your scripts into wherever it is that you're sharing them, and you've got somebody else using those, and they're looking at that. You're not hiding that. That's not your um your domain that you're keeping to yourself yes. and then does that make sense yeah yeah well there's always a little bit of embarrassment right but i also think there's an honesty and certainly the devs got here first mm -hmm. every bit of code has some ugliness in it just being honest about the fact that we all have bits of ugly code it's okay like no code is perfect and beautiful as much as you want to groom it in fact the time you would take to groom it isn't healthy like, the, yeah, you should make it better, but it's never going to be perfectly shiny. There's always something a little bit rubby in it. And, and, and that's one of the, the core tenets for me of, of, of DevOps in, in the, what operations people have learned from developers mm -hmm. in the, that, that collaboration style. And, and it's not a case of the junior devs always having to learn from the senior devs and vice versa. It is it's everybody's chipping in and it's it's a way of um having training for all in that in that respect someone may come up with a new idea and um it, it's almost you know you're doing code reviews possibly as a developer mm -hmm. and to put that in an it ops thing um you, you could do that as well but um 
your, your senior guy may think, oh, I've never seen that before. You know, and it, it, it's about having, and that, that's another part of it. It's about people and, and, and people accepting the changes and yeah. that are being, being put in and discussing them and, and, and everybody learning as part of the process. And I think this is part so. of where the tooling can really help, like to have those discussions in a form where other people can read them. Like it, I, I've come to really admire GitHub's ability to keep, not just to have a conversation around a change or some conversation, but that it's easy to go back and read it again to remind yourselves of how we made a decision. Yeah, and and I think the thing about GitHub and and now we're getting into that and and Git and and version control systems mm-hmm. is even as even as um if you're on your own, if you're in a small shop and you're on your own, the one thing that used to come across a lot as as people are coding and scripting is you'll have an idea you'll go down that one rabbit hole right and then maybe you think actually no i've read something else i'm going to have another idea and then you go down another rabbit hole and then you realize that the first one was the right way to do it <laughs> but you've not you've completely overwritten what you've done you've written everything yeah absolutely so even as as someone who's working on their own if you're using something like git and keeping track of your changes you can always get back to where you were down the first rabbit hole she was saying that example when you get less afraid to try things too like i can rip this apart and experiment decide it's a disaster and just go back Mm -hmm. to the previous version it's trivial to do that yeah and you can go way back yeah you could have been working on something say i know actually i've gone completely down the right the the wrong way here yeah as as someone on their own you're not you're not even having to think about anybody else at that point, or even if there are an, is anybody else to to um. But it's certainly got to get more magical once you have more people involved. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I, yeah, I do like. I mean, uh, I've fallen into the Home Assistant pit. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's an open source set of tool for home automation. Okay. Be aware, this is life. This can be life consuming. But I have a source code repository for my house mm-hmm. uh, that is solely me. And again, it's those commits. It's to sort of see the record of the different things I've built and go back and and be able to compare changes. Like GitHub just does all of that for you. It's it's a remarkably nice way to store stuff just because it maintains changes so well. Mm-hmm. And. Um it's interesting you say that actually, because one of the things I do with GitHub is, um, is I have a repository. I have something that um, I want to take notes while I'm listening to podcasts. Right. So, and I have a little um, Azure function that does some bits and pieces and talks to some bits and pieces in the background. So I have something similar as well, and that's just me all on my own. Totally personal project. Absolutely, and that's the kind of stuff. If you're starting out in Git, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that can really get you. Um, going with it because when it is magical when you bring other people in but there are some things that can happen that kind of put people off when that happens so sure if you maybe if you are starting out start out on your own yeah but bring in some friends who know a little bit to kind of help you along the way so uh, and and practice and then think about um bringing in other collaborators but yeah Definitely do that and keep it really, really, really simple. Yeah, just that's your own a, private project. Should we really clarify? Good. You refer to Git. Sorry. I've been talking about GitHub. How do you define the ah, difference yes. between the two? So, so Git is the underlying mechanism for um, how the source control works. Right. So, um, I think that's one of the things that 
confuses beginners mm-hmm. is how it works, but we won't get to that in a second. So, um, but GitHub is where you would, once you've done your changes on your local machine, which is would be within Git, and GitHub is where you would push them. Now, again, within GitHub is a version of Git because that's where you're pushing your changes to. So it is another, it's a Git repository, but it's in the cloud. Right. And you don't have to use GitHub. I know plenty of folks that are using Git with their local repositories. Like you can run your Mm -hmm. own source control completely internally if you want using Git. Absolutely. So you can, you can, um, you can set up a server Mm -hmm. with Git, which you can push your changes to on premise. You can use many other, um, systems um there's azure devops gitlab just to just to name a couple of others um you don't even have to move your changes off your machine um it's probably not advisory yeah you, you <laughs> um, want a backup yeah, <laughs> it's good absolutely yeah it's good to have them elsewhere <laughs> you too to, you don't even have to do that no. and that being said like a lot of think a lot of people have misconceptions around github like yeah it, it's a almost a social media like open source thing, but mm-hmm. there are private repositories that are free as well. So you don't have Absolutely. My, my I, house is not public. Yeah. It's a private repository. And and that's something that people don't realize as well when they start out is that they can create their own repos, uh, sorry, create their own profile mm-hmm. within GitHub. They can create their own repos and they can choose whether they're private or public and they don't even have to put code in there. And there are other bits and pieces in there and within GitHub itself. I mean, you, you have the wikis, you have GitHub Actions. Mm-hmm. It, it, it goes on. It's a, it's a full development environment. But um, I think that can be possibly off-putting as well for yeah. people who are learning. Yeah. But it, it strikes me that this is a – odds are your organization, if it's gone down this DevOps pipeline, at least the devs are probably using GitHub. Like there's probably an organizational – account out there that you now have an account on Mm -hmm. however unwillingly you may have come to there but i think it's a great step to take those scripts that are that you've built for yourself and put them in your own repository in that in those accounts at least to keep source controlled versions of them of how you made changes to them sharing them is another level another step but at least starting there going to an organizational level within within github you talked then about your profile. Now you don't have to create a repository within that the whole organization can see. Right. Each profile gets its own personal area. Mm-hmm. So you can have a little practice in there and you, you can use your organizational login and have a practice in there just to start with. Nice. Maybe if your team's not using it or there's no push and then maybe say, you know, look what I'm doing in here. Look what I can yeah. see. And, 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 and go about it that way if you're the driving force in that, in that respect. However, unintentionally, you might be the driving force too. Like those things sort of emerge as well. You, you find that you're, you're using this tool. But, and I love that, that idea of uh, an outside place for me to maintain my own scripts and maintain mm-hmm. version over it, just like how I make changes to it, where I maintain it, maybe your own notes of why you made changes, even before you get into all these other aspects of Git. I think that's that's an important part of um, understanding what you can put in there. I mm-hmm. think people seem to think it's entirely for code, but it's it's everybody's coding now in IT. Yeah, Every, you know, it's everybody's normal. got script. Well, I know folks it, that are they're keeping recipes in GitHub. Recipes are kind of that, code too, right? But in the end, it's just text. It is just text. Yeah. So I mean, you can. You, I talked about the wiki. You can you can just have text files. Um, in, in, in fact, it's best practice to have a specific type of text file to explain at the at the root level of your repository to right. explain 
it, what's in there, if it's code, how to build it, you know, things you're going to need, all the steps. And it's like an onboarding thing in a way. Right. And that, and that's best practice. And that's just a markdown file. So it's right. just, it's just text. So it, it's not just for, for, for devs. Yeah, not at all so. for just for devs. Mm-hmm. And, and Nicole, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell, and this is Nicole Stevens. We're talking a little bit about, well, getting source control into our lives as IT pros. And I really appreciate starting this with, it's probably going to be GitHub. Your organization's probably using it, and you can have your own repository for your own stuff that's got nothing to do with anyone else. But we did start off with this idea of more and more we're building scripts that multiple people need to use, that multiple people can collaborate over. So how how do you get to this collaborative step? Because there seems to be some like minefields out here. Mm-hmm. I think one of the main stumbling blocks that people have is is um, they start piling the code in or the, the scripts, whatever it is that's going right. in there, but they don't code. have yeah don't have a divine, defined process or, or we would say a workflow. Right. So they don't have a specific way of doing things. And um, that can lead to issues when maybe two people are in the same area of the scripts or whatever you have that's, that's going up into, into, into GitHub or however you, whatever system that you're using. Mm-hmm. So um, there are um, many workflows some more complicated than others but right. one of the one of the standard ones is is um the feature branch okay which has obviously been driven from a development arena but the idea is you take the, the live production code in its current form um you clone it onto your machine which is a standard git procedure and then you um check that out into a, a branch you create a branch now that branch means that you can you can play with that environment you have on your machine and um, make your changes and um, do some testing. And then um, you take that branch and you would push it back to whichever system that you're, you're using as your um, central repository, like mm-hmm. your source of, source of truth in a way. So then you've got a second person who has... Um, they're working in exactly the same place. So they're on in, their branch. The repository. They're on their branch. So mm-hmm. they've created their branch. They're working in the same code and scripts. And then they will push that branch back up to GitHub. And then what you've actually got within GitHub or whatever um, source of truth you're using is your production code and two other branches of code. Yeah. I've seen now we have three versions of the code. Right. So we have three versions of the code, and that they're all, they're all, in a way that now developer one, should we say, or or scripter one, mm-hmm. can see the production code, 
can see scripted two's code. And there's a conversation that can happen there because you can then say, right, I'll create what's called a pull request, which right. takes the branch and um, has a look at it and works out whether it can be merged straight back into the code. And it will tell you that. GitHub tells you this. The tool will actually figure out if there's conflicts in the code. Wow. It, it, it will tell you if there's conflicts. It's good. Yeah. So you've got, you've got the conflicts. Uh, and it, if there's no conflicts, you can just merge it. There are conflicts. Like if you've, if each of you, Scripter 1 and Scripter 2, have made changes to the same line of code. I, I like the fact that they're off on branches and they can work on their own. And that could be any amount of time, right? It could be days. Yeah. But at some point when you come to this merge point, you're going to find you've both made changes to the same line of code and they're different. Now what? So you've both made changes to the same line of code. Mm -hmm. So when you create the pull request, it will say whether it can be merged or not. If right. it can't be merged, it will say there's a conflict. So then you can um, pull the, the changes that are in, that have already been um, merged into the production code because something's already happened yeah. before that point. You can pull those down and you can merge those onto your machine and make a, um, um, a merged copy of the code, which you can then push back up into the branch, which will then merge properly in the pull request. Interesting. So you keep a you pull down a version that's sort of the consolidation of the two, play with it for a while, make sure it actually does what you want it to do, that everybody's happy with it. You, you actually pull down a version that's come out of production. Mm -hmm. Then you make your consolidation of the two. Um, there are multiple ways of doing this. Yeah. Um, it's probably a little beyond the, the scope of the beginning conversation that we're having today. Sure. And then you would push your consolidation back to GitHub. And then it would say, yes, I'm happy. This is now merged ready. And then you have someone come and have a look at it. Right. As part of the, the pull request. Well, process. I think it's always that second set of eyes to sort of help through that it process is. too. And that, and that's, um, as I said earlier, that's part of the, it's part of the learning process as well mm -hmm. about how this works and about the workflow that goes in. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it spots things really, really early. And right. the earlier you spot something, whether it's, um, a configuration change, whether it's a router, a firewall, a server, mm -hmm. or it's code, the cheaper it is going to be for you in time. If I'm looking at, I'm, I'm considering doing some work on a script. Am I able to see that somebody else has a branch on that script right now? Like I could have a conversation in advance to avoid the conflict? Yes, you can. In um, within, um, my knowledge is generally GitHub. You've probably put that up by now. Yes. Well, I think we're going to be good to staying with GitHub. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so you can, you can see the branches mm -hmm. that are um, in the central location. You can even pull someone else's branch down onto your local machine if nice. you specifically wanted to look at something within within there as well. And you can merge. You could even merge at that point. Um, that's a little because obviously there are multiple sources of truth going on. Sure. And that's one of the things that 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 Git does give you if you want to work in that way. It, it's um, yeah, you're allowed to keep these different sources of truth essentially. Like it's not that's not absolutely. a big deal. Because, I mean, there's one side of this, which is the tooling part. And I, and I appreciate that tooling gives us lots of visibility. And then there's sort of a cultural part of this, too. Like, what's polite? What's the polite way to go about 
two people working on the same piece of code. Like to me, my reflex before I grabbed a piece of code would just see, is there somebody else already working on this? Because A, I don't want to duplicate effort, but I also don't want to create a conflict that's unnecessary. If the, somebody else is already addressing that particular problem, that's awesome. I'll go work on something else or at least provide some feedback. Well, generally when you, when you um, commit a change to Git and then you push it up, you would be describing what's in the change. So if someone's already got a branch within GitHub that other people can see, you'll be able to see um, the list of their commits within there as well. Right. So you know the so work they're doing. You can see the work they're doing and you can see um, if there's some kind of change system in place. Right. You'll be able to see the link to those changes. So you'll definitely be able to see if there's some kind of confusion in that respect without even speaking to them. But it is definitely something that you would, I wouldn't advocate. So, because it's part of the collaboration, it's part of everybody talking about what's going on. I think you're also hinting another layer of sophistication. Like, here we are walking to the idea that we've been keeping our scripts to ourselves. We're starting to have more people work on them and work with them. And so we get mm -hmm. source control in place so that we can see the changes and we can allow other people to work on them. But now you get into... When you go to make changes, shouldn't we talk about the change in advance? So stuff like Atlassian's help desk system where there's actually a work ticket that says we should make a change to the script like this. And somebody takes on that ticket, makes a branch and does that work. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, if we were going to, if we're going down um, an agile mm -hmm. route and a, and a DevOps team, your IT pros and your developers would be on the same same team. Right in that respect so um what you've just described there is um sprint planning right in in a in to a respect so what are we going to take off of the um what are we going to take off the queue what are we going to work on how does that affect everything else that's going on and it, it's visibility it's visibility of the of, of, um, each piece of work that's in progress for whatever you plan for the next two weeks or however long your, your sprint will be and the communication that's required between that and that's exactly what you've just just described wherever, wherever system you're you're picking it picking it from so uh, is it in our best interest in as i as it folks getting into this to just use the infrastructure that the devs already have in place like that seems like the path of least resistance they've already built up this system of sprint planning and so forth to, to make changes to code, we could be pretty much doing the same for our, our code too, for infrastructure. I, I think so, yeah. I think there's a lot to be learned from um, what's been learned in the last, I, I, I'm not entirely sure how long Agile's been going. Um, um, 15 but, years. But the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, I think there's a lot to be learned from um, how the developers do agile mm -hmm. and really the communication aspects of it. Um, that's one thing that um, I've noticed traditionally going out and about. Um, it it has been more siloed, especially in your smaller shops. Right. Possibly not in the enterprises now because there's a huge drive for speed and, and stability. And but but in the smaller shops where you've got a, maybe a smaller team who are are, are pressurized. To, in in different ways, sure. Then it, it's definitely a way of um, 
of starting those communi- conversations going and and showing how um, the benefits that that can bring. Yeah, but I also think there's a there's a progression here. Like I've certainly talked to IT folks where they've been swept into the DevOps pipeline where they are contributing their code, their infrastructure as code mm-hmm. pieces as part of these development projects. But they don't have any projects that are actually purely IT internal with source control. This is how we do maintenance on the database. This is how we do our infrastructure restru- you know, re- re- restructures, or we're getting ready to do a migration out of a data center to build up all of those scripts in source control. And they're totally independent of any app that we tend to have these things in place with the apps because the the devs have been working that way. The fact that we start building them for ourselves for those same benefits, that's really interesting to me. Especially when you think about stuff like a data center migration, we think it's a one-time thing. Like it never is. And it's great to build up that repository of this is how we moved it last time. And we have documents Mm -hmm. of where we made corrections and all of that sort of built up knowledge. It's a way to protect that knowledge over time across people. It, it is, and it, it, it builds in confidence into the process mm-hmm. because if if you've scripted, however way you've scripted it, whether you've done full automation and you, you you know you're pushing it out using some kind of other tool, or you've got a PowerShell script or or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, some Bash, and you are running those lines manually one by one by one. But if you've got that and you've got it in source control and you've done your tweaks and you've done your reviews with your peers. And you are happy that that script does exactly the same thing every single time. And then when you go in to do that, whatever it is, you've got your change control window, or you're doing it the weekend, the confidence level that you've got going into that and saying to them, I need X hours or X minutes, whatever it is, is, is massive. Yeah. It's a record of what it took to do it last time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, we need a new migration. All right. I'm going to fork that repository that we used last time we did a migration. Oh, and by the way, you know, here's all the people that worked on it last time. So we can, we know who to tap for resources. And here's how long it took. Like you, you really are building up a deeper understanding of what's hard, what's easy, what takes a, a while. And, and also like evidence of effort. I guess one of the challenges we have as IT folks is like when everything works well, nobody can tell, right? You only ever get a C. It's easy to get an F. <laughs> but yeah. to to have that pile of work stored in source control that shows this is what it actually took to do that migration last time. I think it's a really interesting byproduct of getting into source control for this stuff. It's record keeping and it's knowledge. And those records, it's exactly what you said just there about who did this, you know, what who do I need to tap into to do mm-hmm. this again? You know who you need to tap into because their credentials are stored against the change, yeah. which is in your version control. And you can see the comment and you can say, if, if you're not happy with the comment for some reason, or you didn't bring it up at, at the time it was added in, you say, you know, Hey, what, what is this? You know, what, what did you actually do? What, why did you do this? And, yeah. and why um, was this fellow brought in and made this one change to it and went on again? And and that's you know yeah. probably possibly ca- encapsulated a week of running around trying to find someone that could fix that problem. Then, but it turns into one little change in the code, and now the next time you have this problem, it's like, oh, it was this person. Like you're short circuiting a lot of time spent. It's no longer in someone's head. Oh, last time we called Bob for this. It's like, oh no, I can see Bob was here. He did the check in. And that's also something else that you can use um, version control for. If you've made a change and you've pushed it production and something has gone wrong mm-hmm. and 
it's a, it's it's almost part of the inve- well, it is part of the investigation. Right. You don't always have to start your investigation on, you know, right in there in the in the live environment. If you if you've got everything within source control, what has changed? Oh, X Y Z. Right. I've you know that's the start of my investigation. That's where I'm going to pinpoint my analysis to to try right. and work out. These were the changes that happened between the last time it worked and this time when it didn't. We know where to look. Yeah. We've saved a lot of time in diagnostics. Absolutely. And and you know depending on the maturity of what you're using, you could roll back and push that out. Right. But that's uh, that's, that's, an, a, that's another on, option. A whole although, new level. Yeah, another yeah. brute force option. Nicole, where can folks go to learn more about this besides talking to their dev team, which I highly recommend? Absolutely. Um, well, I there's plenty, plenty of resources mm-hmm. on um, a, across many media on, on the internet. Um, I would recommend, I've written a post, which is, is quite good, and it just uses a text file. Mm-hmm. It's specifically aimed at people who don't code. It does use some Cody language in there. Right. It's, it's specifically aimed at people who, who aren't used to that. And there are some some very good resources out there. Um, yeah, I'll give you some links to, to pop into the, the show notes. Um, but I'd highly recommend getting in there, get a repo, have a play, and then get some assistance from, because there's bound to be somebody that you know in IT. Yeah, for sure. Using this, definitely. Nicole Stevens, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.